kids thrive by having rules and by having expectation and boundaries because then they know what's expected. They know how the day looks like and they know what are the things they can and cannot do. It's like you give them a roadmap of how life is and it's it's good. They should, they should make mistakes, obviously, because that's how they learn. But you want to minimize that effect, the impact that uh, mistakes have on them. Welcome to the Well Child Podcast, brought to you by two board-certified pediatricians, Dr. Anna Pal and Dr. Samira Arman, also known as the PD Pals as we talk to you about topics involving raising well and happy children in today's challenging society. Please follow us on social media at The PD Pals or find us online at www.thepdpals.com. Welcome back to The Well Child, your premium parenting resource during the pandemic and beyond. Today, we have a special treat for you. If you have ever felt like you've made too many mistakes and you don't know how to forgive yourself, or if you need help parenting in a pandemic or nurturing your marriage during this crazy, challenging time, this episode is for you. Today's guest is Azadeh Afsahi Parsa. Azadeh is a licensed marriage and family therapist with published work in the collaborative book, What They Didn't Teach at the Academy. She was featured in Modern Healthcare for her work with survivors, uh, survivors of the Las Vegas mass shooting. She's also an active bilingual voice on social media, both in English and Farsi, covering a range of topics from parenting to relationships to self-care and love. She has a dual psychology background, an extensive history of being a clinical therapist. She has diagnosed, evaluated, treated patients with mental health and emotional and behavior disorders. And she now has her own practice in LA after having gotten a master's in marriage and family therapy. Azadeh has had a very interesting life that will probably resonate with many of you. She has had her share of adversity and her struggles in finding her true path in life. And today we find it so awesome and such a treat that she's here to tell us about her passion and her life motto that change comes from within. We have so much to learn from her and a lot of questions to ask. So please sit back, relax, grab a cup of tea with us and get ready to be inspired. Azadeh, welcome. Thank you so much, and thank you for that lovely introduction. Well, we're really excited. We've been looking forward to this for a while, so thanks for joining us today. Thank you for having me, and thank you. And hello, everybody. Hello to all of the audience and all the listeners. I am so happy and honored to be here and share this platform with all of you. Wonderful. Well, so for our listeners, if they haven't heard of you, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, and, and what brought you here? So you did a pretty good job uh, explaining everything. So my name is Azadeh. I am um, Iranian. I grew, was born in Iran, raised in Sweden. And almost 20 years ago, I decided to move to United States to pursue my education here. Um, as Anna just uh, shared with all of you. Uh, I am a marriage and family therapist, but it took me a long time to get to where I am. I started um, uh, being a suicide counselor for Suicide Hotline. I volunteered there for a few years, and then I decided this is my passion and this is what I want to do. Unfortunately, my father committed suicide, so that kind of helped me process my own feelings and also help others. And now, as she said, I'm practicing in Los Angeles and I'm also pursuing my PhD in psychology. Wonderful. Wow. That's really, really inspiring. And just the fact that you were able to take, you know, a very difficult situation in your personal life and then translate that to help other people um, that might be going through similar struggles. That's um, really inspiring. And we have so many questions for you. I don't even know <laughs> where to begin. Um, but the main thing I think that we've been struggling with as pediatricians currently has been, um, you know, with the pandemic specifically, uh, parenting uh, through the pandemic, uh, children, are having, you know, their routine has been turned upside down and for parents as well. Some are working from home. Some are trying to manage, um, you know, virtual learning from home. Some kids are going to school. And so 
especially the teenagers, um, we have noticed a lot of anxiety, depression, um, you know, just a lot of change in their routine. And so it, it, I know we, we've specifically noticed that the teenagers have taken it pretty hard during the pandemic. Uh, I was just curious as to what you've seen with families and if you had any advice for parents um, and for families during this time that's been quite unusual. Uh, yes, unfortunately, this is something uh, that everybody has been struggling. It has affected everybody. So, But I think what we need to first acknowledge, and I think also parents here need to acknowledge, is that you know, you're trying to juggle everything. You're trying to juggle to be in a work full-time, be a full-time teacher and be a full-time parent. So that's the first acknowledgement that we cannot do all of that. It's kind of impossible. So once we acknowledge that, okay, there are limitations to what I can do and there are things that I need to prioritize, then it's going to be so much easier to wake everything up. But I agree with you. A lot of teenagers have been affected by this because this is something that is very unusual. You have become a prison in your own home. You cannot socialize. We are social creatures. You cannot have your routines. And most importantly for teenagers, younger kids, they haven't developed their um they can't verbalize how they feel. So all these feelings can be manifested in anger, is not wanting to talk, not wanting to eat, in sleep. And for parents, it's important to see that pattern and see that change. And once they see it, kind of intervene. Um, many things can be done, many tools. First, again, you need to realize your family. Does it function on schedule or does it not function on schedule? Because schedule is great, routine is great, but being a slave to that can also create anxiety. So if you have older kids, for instance, it would be great to let them um, come up with their own schedule, let them come up with the chores that they want to do. Not only does it um, embrace autonomy, but also it gives them independence to be kind of have power over their own day. And for parents, it's also great because then you don't need to um, kind of come up with things to occupy your teens. If you have younger kids, also, uh, absolutely, that's different. They, they, they don't have the capacity to do that. So you need to be more involved in their routine and boundary setting. Um, also, uh, another thing that I think uh, needs to be talked about is to normalize what we are going through. And what we had in the past is in the past. Comparing it com uh, constantly, what it was in the past, how we used to live, how you used to function, again, is just going to create a lot of uncertainty and it's going to create a false sense of hope that because we don't know how it's going to look like. I know in my state, which is California, they just open up the school, but it's only for two hours. What are the parents gonna do for the rest of the day? So um, again, communicating with your teens and really understanding what is it that they're feeling and helping, helping them verbalize those feelings that they are feeling. And I think it's very important. For parents that are working at home, I think you need to prioritize, obviously, it depending what kind of work you have. If you have a work that you cannot get away for a minute, so that's your priority, then maybe get up, like get up early in the morning, get the things that are important, get those done, spend some time with the kids, and then um, go back to work again. So it takes a lot of juggling and really realizing what are your strengths as a family and what are your weaknesses. And if there is a weakness in terms of childcare, maybe you can reach out to family members or friends or friends that are having a childcare that you can maybe share with them. And um, what else can I say to kind of help people that are working from home is um, I think one important thing that is coming up when I have my clients, my families is the constant interruption. 
that these parents are working and they get interrupted when there are important phone calls. And what I always tell them is to, if you don't have the luxury of having your own room or have a designated place, because we have to realize not everybody have that luxury at home to be able to have that, then um, I would always suggest to have a visual cue, visual cue for people, for, for your kids. So they know, okay, mommy and mommy and daddy or whomever is at home are on an important call or they're working and the visual, I always say to my, um, uh, my uh, mothers, wear a little crown on your head so the babies or the kids can know that they cannot interrupt you or the dads can wear a hat or you can put a little lamp or you can have a sign. Green means you can come into the door. Red means that you cannot come in. Or if those doesn't work, have your calls on a speaker so they can hear that another person is talking so they can so they know that they shouldn't interrupt. I think that's the hard, the the toughest question I always get is to how to kind of occupy them or how do I make them understand that right now, mommy and daddy are not available to talk to you. And kids are very good with visuals. So that's something I think would be great to introduce. Um, wow. That a lot was- of yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. I was gonna say that was amazing, and and I'll and you know usually I have my professional hat on, but you you got me like so emotional when you started to say like we shouldn't look back at the use at the time that it was and stuff, and I was like oh my gosh she's right. Um, you know what? Day, I, this is a personal question, but I'm gonna tell you every mom is thinking this. I would really love it. And some tips for you on this. You you brought up at the beginning. You said that that this is really difficult and we cannot do it all, and I love that. And I think most moms get that, that we can't do it all. But the the thing is that everyone expects us to. I'm going to give you an example. I was late to pick up my daughter somewhere uh, last week for like 10 minutes. And it wasn't anything crazy, but we never do. And we're both, my husband and I are both doctors, so it happened. And instead of having the person that was you know, at the receiving end, be like, good job. Like, it's okay. You know, don't worry. She's been fine. Blah, blah, blah. The amount of guilt that they were mm-hmm. like, we told you four o'clock and blah, 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 you know, and like we, my husband and I just were like, oh my God. and we felt so bad for the rest of the day. My daughter was upset, you know, so there's just so much societal pressure is what I'm mm-hmm. trying to say. Mm-hmm. And the mommy guilt, it, it even comes from your kids. You know, they haven't been like, mommy, 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 you know, you didn't spend time with me. You didn't do this or you didn't do that. Feed me or don't do this or breastfeed me. And how much mommy guilt I see for these kids that just won't let their mom sit for five seconds. So how do you, how do you suggest parents deal with the guilt aspect that comes from trying to set boundaries? Like, do we just need to suck it up? What do we do? (laughs) No, obviously I totally understand the mommy guilt and and I feel like before I became, before I was a mom, I didn't even realize that, but mom can be mean. Now, there is actually, not only are they mean, there are like platforms like the, that on different groups, I don't want to name them here, but I am afraid to kind of say anything because if you say the wrong thing, they can become so judgmental. And I think that's what we need to kind of change to be kind. If we can start being kind to ourselves, then we can start being kind to other people. Like for instance, you were late 10 minutes. Obviously for good reason, you were ten late 10 minutes. It wasn't like you were uh, for good reason. Obviously you weren't sitting at home and twiddling your uh, fingers or thumbs. Because one thing, we are so hard on ourselves. Yeah. We are so hard on ourselves. If we can just take that moment and say, hey, I was 10 minutes late. It's okay. There was a reason I was 10 minutes late and communicate that to that person that is giving you guilt and be able to communicate that with your child. That is okay. That sometimes things happen, that everything is not so black and white. That also introduce flexibility and kids can understand that it's okay to make a mistake. That is okay that sometimes we can do all of it at once. And I think that's my biggest advice is for you to do some self-talk and say at that moment Anna 10 minutes it was only 10 minutes your child was your child safe because for me safety is number one key I don't care if they were 10 minutes 30 minutes were they safe if the answer is yes then okay 
then you are okay to make mistakes and we are humans and we need to exercise kindness. I don't think there is enough kindness in this world. Yeah, that's, that's so true. I mean, that's part of the reason that we went to the social media world and we did this is because, you know, in the doctor's office, we're always just giving advice. And um, we see a lot of moms and dads just take it so much, you know, they, they take everything to heart, which is good. We love that, you know, they want to do the best. They're trying to be perfect parents. And, and we want to really just instill the fact that there is no such thing, you know, there's no such thing as a perfect parent. And you just, you know, the most important thing is you love your child, you do the best that you can, you have to fill your cup before you can provide for them. And it's just a, it's a hard battle. And I think nowadays with social media and so much information on the internet that it just becomes like, you know, it becomes a competition, I think between moms, between families. And so everyone's just trying to outdo the other person and it creates this kind of toxic environment. And so, you know, the main reason we're here is to say like, listen, you know, here are the things we recommend. These are the best things, but do the best you can with what you have, you know, because there's no end to this and there's no No. perfection, you know, there's really none, but I was Samira, perfection is an illusion. And that's what I always <laughs> perfection is an illusion. And if you are trying to measure yourself on that perfection, first of all, it's such a false of sense. There is no such a thing. So if we can just stop right now and be kinder to ourselves, then we can teach our kids also that it's okay. Because I can see so many kids get so riled up if they make a mistake, they become so anxious. And honestly, it comes from parents because if parents cannot handle it, what do you expect the kids are going to do? Exactly. Exactly. And, and, and that's one thing I wanted to get your advice on is how can moms and dads equally, how can they incorporate that self-care or how can they provide that time for themselves? Um, Do you have any tips about that on, (laughs) on what they can do to kind of separate themselves and their identity from their, from their children? Okay, so I always tell my clients uh, when it comes to self-care, I always say, I want you to do one thing for me. I want you to go out there and see if you can start your car without any gas in it. And usually, I mean, most of the time the answer is no. So I said, if the car doesn't have a gas and you can go around, you can drive around, how do you expect to be able to move on and go out, go about if your cup, like you were saying, is not filled. So what we, I think the notion is if we take care of ourselves, that means we're not taking care of our kids. If I spend five minutes putting makeup on or choose what I'm going to wear, that means that I've taken five minutes to hang out with my child. But those five minutes, rightfully so, that you are spending on your time is going to give back to your child maybe 10 times more because now that you feel better about yourself, you feel, let's say, if you if you take care of your mental and physical self, then you are automatically are going to be such a better parent because there is a reason when you sit on that airplane and they ask you, put the mask on yourself before you put it on the child. Because if you're not there, who's going to take care of the, your child? And I'm not saying there as a body, because sometimes we are there as a body because we don't, there is no fuel in us anymore, but a healthy self, because if we are that healthy self, when the day starts, the nagging that in the morning the kids might have, or they might have a bad sleep or they're sick, we can battle that. We can fight that easier than if we haven't taken care of ourselves, if we didn't get enough sleep, if if we didn't exercise, if we didn't eat healthy, or we didn't talk to our friends, or if we didn't have a downtime, I always say, do your breaks, take a break with your kids, but do a downtime alone. Even if that downtime is five minutes. During the pandemic, when everything was closed in California, I swear I would go into my bathroom, the toilet. I would sit there quietly for only five minutes and I would close my eyes. And that was enough for me to kind of go out there with a new perspective. I'm like, I'm here. 
because I felt like I just needed it. I, I, I just needed it. It was my boiling point. And to be able to realize where your boiling point is, is a great self-knowledge because then you know where to say stop. I feel like I always say this and <laughs> like all our podcasts are the same, but it's just because I think it's such a recurring theme. I love everything you said and it is so useful. And I know that our audience is just gobbling it up. But how much of this do you think has to do with women and me and men too, perhaps um, not being able to say no? Uh, because like you guys said, society and our role plays so much into it. We say yes so much that we always say no to ourselves. We have a hard time. It's actually, I did a talk. The more you say uh, no to others, the more you say yes to yourself. Yeah. And at some point, you just have to realize that you come first. But I think also... Before I, I can just talk to my, about myself now. Before I became a mom, I visualized what kind of mom I wanted to be. I had a goal and that was the kind of mom I was going to be. Although it was, it's, it's extremely hard to keep that goal. But every day I tried to do that because I just didn't want to get into that hole of not taking care of myself. Not because of makeup or how I, what, what I'm wearing. It's just my mental health was so important to me because I knew that was going to affect my kids in that circle of what it can happen. I just wanted to break that circle. That's so insightful. And I really like that. And actually that segues really well with the, with the next question we had. So this goal you set for yourself and this intention, I don't know if many people are doing that. I know I certainly I, I think I, I knew what kind of parent I wanted to be, but it didn't involve me in any way. Like it was like, I'm going to be a, this type of mom, but it wasn't like, I'm going to keep my identity. Um, mm -hmm. so, so I think a lot of parents in the hustle and bustle of life and raising kids and perhaps work and just balancing this whole thing, throw a pandemic into it. They look in the mirror one day and they've lost their sense of self identity, right? Yeah. So I love that you have put self-care in there. Is there anything else that people can do so that they don't feel like they've lost their self? I think what another thing that they can do is to ask for help. I think in our society, asking for help is such a, because you have to know it all and you have to do it all. You have to be able to work, come home and take care of the kids. God forbid, if you give them um, fast food, it has to be healthy meals. They have to have their night routines. And then they have to, you have to go in, put them to bed, write them the stories. And then you come home and you get back and then everything is good. This is, the, the, I don't know anybody who can do this. It's impossible to be able to do all of that. So I think... Um, what you really need to know is to basically the goal that I was saying, what kind of goal and asking for help. It's okay to ask for help. I had a client who she's been a mom for eight years. And the first session we talked, she was extremely depressed about herself and her self-image. And I said, so when was the last time you just went for a walk? And when was the last time you just bought something for yourself? And she said, when I was 16, I bought something for myself. And I was like, this is what you need to know. You need to take care of yourself. Even if you going and buy yourself. So my, um, my, as an exercise, I said, you have to, from now to next week, go, you love sweatshirts. I want you to go buy yourself one new sweatshirt. Because they experience you leaving the kids, going, buying, picking, trying, see which one is fitting you. All of that is going to help you. So when you come home, you're going to be feeling so much better about yourself. And you're going to feel like, ah, oh, this is who I used to be. This is what I used to like. So I think it's definitely asking for help seeing a therapist if you need to. I mean, there are so many, you have so many resources and your uh, mommy friends, the people that are really close to you, not the people that you see on social media, your, your really close friend that you know they're struggling and you're struggling, get that support system going. Yeah, no, that's so true. I think asking for help is so important. 
And I love that you emphasize that. But I think for a lot of women, sometimes it's so hard to do. Um, It's just so hard. And it's this whole perfection thing, you know, and everyone's trying to do it themselves. And I love what you said. And of course, there's extenuating circumstances. There's single moms, single parents, and, and sometimes they have minimal support. But in general, since you have this background in family therapy and, and marriage counseling, what are your tips for, uh, for uh, the family unit, for husband and wives or for partners? How can they uh, improve their communication? What can they do um, to help things run a little smoother so that, you know, one person isn't the one kind of taking the burden of it all? Mm-hmm. This is a million dollar question. <laughs> and if I knew the answer to this, actually, clients, to be honest with you, because everybody has this problem with communication. And I feel like we communicate so much differently because how we saw our parents communicate, mm-hmm. right? But I think number one, number one, if this is a takeaway, if you want, you are listening, is to validate the person's feeling. Validation is the key to be able to be heard for any change to happen. Is that, and I'm going to give you an example. I think kids thrive by having rules and by having expectation and boundaries because then they know what's expected they know how the day looks like and they know what are the things they can and cannot do it's like you give them a roadmap of how life is and it's it's good they should they should make mistakes obviously because that's how they learn but you want to minimize that effect the impact that uh, mistake have on them but let's say they want to go out and you know that right now is not a good time for them to kind of go out. But it doesn't take away their feeling of wanting to be around their friends and wanting to really explore and wanting to go do that fun thing that they want to do. As a parent, I want you to learn how to validate that feeling and say, here, I understand. I understand that you want to do X, Y, and Z. But right now, the rule is we cannot do this because of, and then you fill in the blank. Giving, they're going to still be upset. They're going to still not probably want to talk to you if you have a teenager. But the least it is, is they're not in the dark and they know somebody understood their feelings and somebody was there to take care of their feelings of sadness, of frustration. So I think this is the key to kind of be a good listener or be a good communicator is to validate to someone. And you can start by very young age. I have twins that are two and a half. I am doing that at home right now with them. When they there is something they don't want, I'm like, I, I know you're upset and I know you want this, but we cannot have this candy right now. We can have it later. And I know you want it. So basically telling them somebody's here, you being heard, and I'm here to take care of you. That's number one when it comes to kids. When it comes to adults, I would like to add another thing is to stop when you want to say something to your partner, instead of going in with, you did this, you did that, start coming with I statements. I don't know if you guys are familiar with this, but I statements is so powerful because what it does is that now that person, your partner is not defensive anymore. They are ready to listen because when somebody coming at you, that's kind of how our body is designed. We want to defend ourselves because somebody is in the, your emotions don't understand that this someone is someone you love or is a stranger. You just are tense up and you want to defend yourself. What it is that they're trying to. So when you start defending yourself, your ears, it's like get plucked. You don't listen to anything. You just want to say what you want to say. You don't want to listen anymore. So I would just stay away from you statements and start with I statement. Where are you coming from? How are you feeling in this situation? And that's that's kind of very important. Um, if we have time, I want to give you guys an example. Yeah, we have lots of time. I'm gobbling this. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, what I see in my uh, 
and I, I don't think I have in 10 years practicing, I don't think I have ever had a couple. And if they are in the same wavelength communicating, they wouldn't come to me. They, they are good. So what I always see is that you have somebody that wants to communicate and somebody that is the one that wants to be more quiet and want to run away. So putting those two in one pot, it always obviously create a lot of friction. So I always tell the person who is more like wants to solve it right there and then, you know, they want to solve right there and then. And the other person wants to take a breather and wants to leave. And, you know, both, I'm not saying which one is correct or which one is incorrect, but the tool here is again, communication is to communicate for the person who really wants to talk is like, I really need to get this solved. I want it right there and then. I don't want to wait a week or a few hours. But the person who needs to leave needs to communicate, say, hey, time out. I just need to go. I need a break. I will come back to this. So two elements. You need to say how long that break is, whether it's an hour, two hour, three hour, or half an hour. I'll be back in half an hour and we can resolve this. And the person who's taking the break needs to initiate the conversation again because that is going to alleviate, alleviate a lot of anxiety for the person who wants to solve it right then and then. Now they know, okay, in half an hour, the person is going to come and talk to me and we're going to solve it. If people can practice this tool, is going to be much easier to be able to have these two communication styles living under one roof. Oh my God, I talk so much. Sorry. Yeah, I'm sitting here. <laughs> that was like, amazing. Describe my life. <laughs> like, let me just pull my husband in here and be like, you want to take a look? <laughs> don't worry. It's, I think it's the story about everybody's life. I think, and I don't want to, like, no, I can't. I can't generalize. I can see that more women do want to talk and more, more men do want to kind of, take a moment but I've seen other yeah, the other right. way around too yeah I could just pull them in here be like free marriage counseling come on <laughs> <laughs> yeah. that was really that was really good though you know one of the things that actually was really great for me my husband did it for me but he he doesn't seem to care as much but the love language thing was a huge eye-opener for me huge I had not heard of it until about like four or five years ago, yeah, I read the book and I was like, oh, that's true. We yeah. have different love languages. That explains so much. Yeah. Yes. I, I, I kind of always think about it like with gender roles, you know, I mean, it gets, gets kind of deep in there with like how, like what we were talking about earlier with how society expects women and men to be. And I think sometimes um, that emotional vocabulary of, of, of feeling a certain way and describing how you're feeling. I think society doesn't allow men to do that as much as it allows women. I don't know. This is just my hypothesis. And so I always think about that uh, when we're talking about parenting, you know, um, when you're talking about raising children, uh, boys versus girls, um, and, and giving them that ability, giving them that space to really think about how they're feeling and then communicating it. Because it, like you said, it all starts from how you saw your parents do it, you know, how you, how you were raised. And so, um, you know, and I think that's why a lot of people relate to this because, you know, uh, our society kind of teaches men, you know, you can't cry and you can't be, you can't show weakness. And so, I don't know if you've noticed that, but that's just my little hypothesis. <laughs> no, actually, they did a study. They did, I don't know if you guys are familiar with it. They did a study, and the study was, uh, I don't remember the year that this study, but it was a long time ago, that they um, wrapped the babies. Uh, you know, when babies are born, it's very hard to kind of uh, know what gender they have. So they wrapped the babies in blue blanket and in pink blankets, and they would give it to the sampling, the people that were in this uh, study, when they had a baby that had a pink blanket, the participant would hold it closer to them and would talk with a softer tone and use a softer language. And when they had a, a blue blanket baby, they would keep it in the distance and they would be with a deeper voice, oh, you're a big boy, you're going to 
grew up to be a big boy. So from the get-go, even these babies that were wrapped in blankets, they were communicated with so differently. So imagine, imagine that throughout your life. Being a boy means that you have to toughen up and don't show your mini. You're a big boy. You shouldn't cry. And if you have a little girl, it's okay if they cry because you're a princess, which I hate that phrase. But, you know, that's kind of how it is. Yeah. So absolutely. Absolutely. It's society. Wow. Yeah. And it also has nurturing. It, it, it also comes from nature. I see my twins. I have boy and a girl. Okay. Boy. That you see it from the get-go, how nurturing she is and how she wants to, she wants to take care of him and put he put his hair up and do that. And he is kind of more rough around the edges, you know. But that doesn't mean if they both bump into something, they both feel the pain. Yeah. They just express it differently. Right. So that's how it is. Men also feel they just express it differently. So so many amazing pearls here. I heard, you know, self-care is so important for parents during this time because you can't pour from an empty cup, as you said. And, you know, if you take a few minutes just to take care of yourself, then you will have more to give to your family. I heard Mm -hmm. communication is so important between you and your partner. I feel that so much of this really does have to center around women being comfortable setting boundaries and then not feeling guilty about setting those boundaries. I know that's a work in progress for myself, but I think that's a huge take home message from, from this discussion. I don't know if you feel there's more, Anna, what about you? Yeah, I think that was great. I think you really did. Um, uh, you know, you covered covered a lot of it. One last thing that I thought about was um, in terms of building self-confidence uh, for children, especially because like we kind of talked about it a little bit in the beginning about the messages that they get and, and how their parents handle stress and, uh, you know, confidence. Sometimes we see that lacking a lot in children because it's this constant comparison on social media with other friends. It, do you have any tips on parents on how they can help praise their children, how they can help them build that confidence from the beginning um, mm-hmm. so that they don't get those insecurities later? Uh, yes. Um, and I think also it's very cultural, depending what culture you're coming from and how praise is viewed. But let's just say the American culture, we, we are very, we do praise a lot, which is great. But there are families that are struggling with expressing that. So I would be like the rule of thumb is for one negative thing that you have to say, maybe you can praise five times because that kind of balances out. Obviously, you don't want this praise to be something um, meaningless. You want these praises to be very meaningful. So instead of saying, oh, good boy or good girl, how about expand that and express it differently? For instance, say, I just saw how you picked up all the toys and how you fit it in your room. That was greatly done. Um, I think when you do praise your kids, remember to just not generalize everything. Uh, You kind of want to if you have younger kids, definitely um, sit in a eye level, like sit down and praise them. And if you have teenager, create eye contact with them um, so that they know that, um, you know, that it's, it's meaningful, that you are really meaning what you're saying. Uh, I just learned this when it comes to younger kids. You also want the distance to be not too far away because it's going to be very hard for them to kind of um, engage with you. Uh, one thing uh, I want to add when it comes to praise is that I see um, a lot of anxiety when parents are saying, hey, come here come here, I want to talk to you. That usually is associated with a negative talk. That means that you have done something naughty. Your boss calls you in and say, hey, we would like to talk to you. The first thing you think about, oh shit, 
am I going to get fired? <laughs> your spouse say, hey, I want to talk to you. Your heart start beating and you're like, what is he going to talk about? Did he cheat on me? What happened? What did I do? So try to do those moments of you asking your child to come over. I want to talk to you, but spin it and make it positive. You can have those conversations when they need to improve something, but it doesn't have to be always that it is a negative talk. It can always be, they can also be positive thoughts. So next time down the line, when their parent, when their spouse or their coworker or someone asks them to talk, they don't have to go into a negative space and have anxiety about it. Um, that I think that's very important that we should really kind of be aware of as a parent when we want to praise. And also some parents can praise a lot, praise that you are perfect. You're perfect the way you are. And that also can create a sense of false self-esteem for the child. So the next time the child wants to for instance, try something because that's how they learn, try or they want to do something. They might not to or they're afraid of failing because now if they fail, they're not going to be the perfect child anymore. So praising has kind of you need to find a good balance and stay away from generalizing things and really think about what are the changes they are doing in their behavior that you want to praise them for. Man, that is just some amazing. I, I wish we could just make sure that every mom in the world heard that. That was really, really tangible and good information. And it, it made me think of this example I had just a few days ago. And then I thought, ah, oh, see, there you go. I even got called out on this by my own kids. But my, I was loading and unloading the dishwasher. So it's not like kids are like, oh, you know, this is a good time to come talk to my mom. No, no. They're just like, <laughs> I was doing something and I was in the zone. And um, when my little girl, I have two girls, my little one came and said, mom, can I show you a picture? Now, full disclosure, by the time they're seven, you've seen a lot of pictures, okay? <laughs> <laughs> Looked at it real quick. And then I, I was about to say, I love it. But then my older daughter goes, I love it. Like she imitated me. And I, I got caught mid-sentence. And she's like, that's what you're going to say, right? That's what you always say. Mm. And then I was like thinking, well, she's right. Okay. So I'm not really stopping for a second and validating, you know, her, her painting or her drawing. And mm -hmm. so I gave my older daughter a, a dirty glare <laughs> for making fun of me. And then I, I looked at it and then I was more specific, you know, more of that, more of the, that's a really pretty line you drew. I really like the details and this and that. And I got really specific with the praise, uh, but that I think that also sums up that how important it is when you're praising to not be just on this automatic, like so many times a day, they're like, mom, watch this. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. <laughs> you feel like you're just constantly like, good job. I mean, Anna even knows she comes to my house and my girls are like, let me, let us show you everything. It's almost like they don't get any attention. I'm sorry. I'm going on a tangent. But <laughs> no, that's actually, that, that happens a lot. And it's okay if we do, because like you said, we don't have time all the time to validate, all the time to look at those drawings. But um, but I think being mindful again, and I think being mindful and trying to make the change and unlearn the things that we have learned is just the progress. It's not going to happen tomorrow. You're not going to wake up and say everything they're going to show you. You're going to sit and kind of validating and talking to them. But if you can start by doing two a day, then you're going to see the pattern is going to just be easier and easier. And maybe they're not going to come and um, want you to praise them that much because now it's not just, oh, I love it or this was good. Yes. So, and yeah. It's, and like you said, it is so cultural. We always talk about our immigrant experience, you know, and our moms because um, you know, we might be the doctors, but our moms are the experts right at home. <laughs> and so we can, you know, they always have a critique and, you know, oh. in, in, in that kind of way, but I've always, I mean, my mom will always put you in your place, right. And tell you what you didn't do correctly, mm -hmm. but I've never felt in any way that she wasn't <laughs> proud of me or she didn't, you know, think the world of me. And so it's the, really that fine balance of, your parents can still discipline you, can still give you negative feedback, 
but then, you know, they're your biggest fans at the end of the day. So I think you're so right. Culturally, it can look completely different as well. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, this is not to say that they don't need boundaries. They don't need rules. They don't need guidance. They don't, they need all of those, but, and also they need to hear, they need to hear, not just by action that they are loved. Because this is all, we are building self-esteem. I always say to my clients, self-esteem is the biggest weapon you have to kind of make it through. Because if you have a self-esteem that you can do everything, you can do everything. If you don't have the self-esteem and you look a certain way and you have a certain intelligence, you're not going to be able to achieve that because you don't have that self-esteem. It's such an easy thing, but it's a very hard thing to accomplish because it's, like you said, it's not so tangible. Yeah. So, but it's very important. Yeah, I and love it. Me too. It's really good. It's really good information. And I really hope everyone that's listening can really try to do those little micro steps, but in that process, be super forgiving to themselves and oh. not hold it to themselves if they didn't do the perfect thing or they didn't say the right thing. Because at the end of the day, if you love your kids, they're going to be okay. And, and I feel in our position as pediatricians, I'm constantly, I am constantly um, making moms feel better about themselves. I'm constantly telling them it's okay and and constantly consoling them. And Mm -hmm. that you're doing a good job, right? Right. And I feel like... I feel I'm a good judge of that because I see parents all the time. And so I feel that, you know, it, it's very relative, right? You know, so many parents that they really do neglect their kids and foster care and all this stuff. And so at the end of the day, you are putting a roof over the head. You are giving them food. You yes. are loving them in your own way. And you're, you're trying, if you're asking me, am I doing a good job? that's already a sign you're doing a great job because you care enough to ask that question. And if you're looking at your children and you're thinking, are they going to turn out? Okay. That's another sign that you (laughs) care enough that they're going to turn out. Okay. Yeah. I had actually a conversation with my friend. She was like, am I going to be a good mom? I'm like, you know what? And I don't know. She was saying, I didn't even study. I didn't even read. What are the things I have to do? I said, there are two things stay away from alcohol and don't eat sushi if you're in America because people in Japan still eat sushi and they're fine. Right. But here that's it. You don't need all of that. I feel like my God, society has put so much, so much guidelines, so much pressure, so many things that you have to follow that honestly, sometimes is people don't use their common sense. They don't use their judgment, which they can do perfect. They're perfectly fine. I grew up being great. I mean, what? and my mom, she was 17 and she didn't have any of these things available to her. So I said, yeah. I was a doctor when I had my daughter. Okay. I was a doctor. I was a pediatrician. <laughs> so I was as educated as it gets with regards to children when I had my firstborn and it helped me zero bits. Yeah. Until you're in that yeah. position and you're holding the baby, there is no manual, there is no way to train for it. And everything that I think I do well, part of it, I will give credit to myself, but most of it came from my mom. And yeah, so- see? yeah, that's, 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 yeah, that's, yeah. And you guys are so great. And I think um, um, I really want to emphasize when it comes to role of the pediatrician, because you know, this is this is one of the fields that you guys get to see kids grow up from from the get go, from the minute they're born till I don't know, is it eighteen that they graduate from 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 you guys? So I think for parents out there, I always tell them find people that you connect with because you're going to obviously be in relationship with them because if you connect with them, then whatever they're going to tell you you are going to respect that and you're going to apply it. And I think um, right now, every information is available to us, but not all information is correct. So having a good relationship with your pediatrician and and pediatrician is is, is hard work. It's just like therapists. You guys have to kind of know who your audience is and kind of go with that. You can't, if, if, if you have parents that are very conservative, you can't uh, introduce 
sleep training to them if they really don't want to. They, I mean, you can't. So I think it's important for really for parents out there to find a pediatrician that they click with because it makes a huge difference. I love my pediatrician. So I'm very, very lucky. I hear that. And thank you for saying that. We say that all the time because sometimes it's not a good fit. And we, we can't fire somebody. <laughs> so we, unfortunately, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> so we can't say like, Hey, you know, this doesn't seem like it's working out. Um, but, but we do encourage it if it's really difficult and we're really not getting anywhere, but patients can make that decision in the snap of a finger. And mm-hmm. so they, if, if it's not working out, it's okay. There's a plenty of fish in the sea. Just try, yeah. try something yeah. else. And we don't, we don't take it personally. You know, we tell them that, you know, sometimes it's very important. You're going to have this 18 year long relationship with us that you really do want to the basic fundamentals you want to be able to agree on because it's going to be a battle, you know, for, for all those years. So finding someone you can connect with is so important. And, and like you said, you know, it's, it's similar to being a therapist, but we don't have all that time, you know, with them either. And so that's why we want, we love having these conversations outside of, outside of that and in, in finding ways to focus on wellness, you know, that goes beyond just uh, your doctor's visit. So we're just so thankful that you, I mean, we could talk to you all day long. <laughs> but I feel the we, same, girls. <laughs> we know you're a busy mom and we really appreciate you doing this. But before we, we before we sign off, tell everyone where they can find you and where they can learn more about all this, these pearls of wisdom that you have. Oh, thank you. So you can find me on my social media, um, on Instagram, azadeh.afsahi. I also have my website, azadeh.afsahi.com. You can connect with me there if you need help. Obviously, I'm only licensed in California, but I can definitely direct you in any direction that you need to go if you're out of state, out of my state. But yeah, that's how um, you get to kind of connect with me. And also, I want all of your audience, because we're talking about working parents, is that I just my favorite quote is that you're not working at home. You are at home during a crisis trying to work. So please remember that. <laughs> yeah, that. it's so true. So thank yeah. you for sharing that. And I feel that there should be a part two to this at some point in the future. So we might try to snag you again because I think we only got, you know, a, a little taste of Aza did tonight. So I'd love to get more later. But thank you again for joining us. And this was a wonderful, wonderful and very educational discussion. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the participants and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of any other agency, hospital, organization, employer, or company. Assumptions made in the analysis are not reflective of the position of any entity other than the participants. The participants are critically thinking human beings. Therefore, these views are always subject to change, revision, reconsideration, and recalculation at any time. This podcast collaboration makes no warranties or representations as to accuracy, completeness, correctness, suitability, or validity of any information, communication, exchange, and the participants will not be liable for any errors, omissions, or delays in this information, or any losses, injuries, or damages arising from its broadcast dissemination or use. All information is provided on an as-is basis. It is the communication recipient's responsibility to verify any fact.